Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 14 of the 2024 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And bowl season is almost coming to a close, which means that the 2023 college football season is almost at its end. We know what is in front of us the national championship, we know exactly what to expect now, right? We've got Michigan, the number one team in the land, all the turmoil that's gone on you know, within the coaching ranks versus Washington, Michael Penix Jr. and company, you know, putting on a Heisman-type performance throughout the season, the runner-up for the Heisman last year of the Pac-12. And look, this is a team that... In a, in a lot of ways, feels like it's a team of destiny from the standpoint of they they make they may you know, every game is close, but still they find a way to win, and we saw that again against Texas coming down to the wire, 37-31, the the victors there, and then obviously when we talk about victors, hail to hail to the victors, Michigan taking down Alabama in the Rose Bowl, uh, you know this was a game that went into overtime, you know it was a game that. Uh, you know, J.J. McCarthy throws an interception early in the game and then ultimately battles back uh, from that mistake. It, the interception ultimately was overturned because he was out of bounds when he made the catch, but that didn't rattle J.J. McCarthy. It was one of those things to where I, I think J.J. showed people a lot more of his game. And when you're talking about where he falls in the draft, this is a guy that, you know, he's, he's a fringe first-rounder for me. You know, is he a first-rounder? Is he a second-rounder? You know, he's one of those fringe players. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. also showing a lot more uh, of that pocket presence. You know, we didn't see him under pressure. Look, he, he was behind the, the, the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line led by uh, future first-rounder Troy Fatanu, uh, the, the left tackle, who's likely going to kick inside to guard, a guy that we're going to be talking about in the teens to early 20s in the draft. Um and when we get to talk more and more about him, I thought he had a really nice game there against Texas on the outside. And, uh, you know, but Penix being able to manipulate that pocket, you know, this is a guy that is known for the knee injuries. You know, yes, he's 24 years of age, and, you know, the age coupled with the injuries, is he truly a first rounder? I, I think the, 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 the concerns are, are valid, but I, I think he silenced a lot of doubters. Uh, you know, for me, I, I didn't see a whole lot of mobility. Of course, he didn't really need to. Um, and so what you saw was a guy that was able to uh, sidestep the rush when he needed to and, and cut loose with the football and, and the accuracy down the field. There, there's nobody better uh, putting that football down the football field. So uh, I, I think really, you know, we should be talking about the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl and then really a preview for tomorrow night's game the national championship because this is being recorded on sunday january 7th so we'll be kicking off in uh nrg stadium in houston national championship and then obviously we've got all of the bowl season all of the games and i know that it's difficult because a lot of guys opted out there were uh you know transfers as well hitting the transfer portal some big injuries as well so we didn't get to see everybody that we wanted to this bowl season, but you know, that obviously you know, will, will bode well for uh, the future, for the 2025 draft and beyond, but there are still some guys that we want to keep an eye on for that 2024 draft 
who I thought really stepped up and played well during the bowl game. So, you know, we'll have a recap session and actually take a look at who really played well in those bowl games. But uh, let's go ahead, really before we even get into these games, uh, because this was recorded on January 7th, we know what the draft order is going to be. And look, you know, this is, you know, ready for the draft. We're getting ready for the NFL draft. Mock season is is upon us officially. It is the, the, the pre-draft season, right? And so when you look at this, it, it's, it's an interesting, you know, We've got quarterbacks galore, right? You know, this is a deep draft for quarterbacks, deep draft for wide receivers, deep draft for offensive linemen. We're going to see a lot of offense come off the board early in this draft. So I'm going to take my first crack at the top 10. Just got a chance to take a look at the order. And so let's go ahead and do that before we jump into the Rose and Sugar Bowls and the National Championship, shall we? So number one overall, Carolina Panthers. We know two-win season. Um... They ultimately give that pick over to the Chicago Bears. Uh, and so the Bears sitting there at number one, obviously they have to, a decision to make. Do they ride with Justin Fields or do they not? And it sounds like they're still undecided. And if you're undecided about who your quarterback is going to be for uh, you know the 2024 season, uh, you know I know that they want to compare Fields with, with the top prospects in the 2024 draft. Now, when we're talking about that, obviously, the, the, the focus has to be on Caleb Williams, Drake May, and, and Jaden Daniels. And, and when you look at this group, if they decide to stay with Justin Fields, then that pick opens up to the highest bidder, to be perfectly honest with you. They've already been able to bring in so much uh, you know, from DJ Moore to, to Darnell Wright. You know, and I know they're a bevy of additional picks, but you can still take that number one overall pick. Look at a team like Washington or a team like like the Patriots, who may be desperate for a quarterback. Maybe you trade with them. You don't want to trade too far out of that top five. You want to be able to, if nothing else, land either the top uh, top offensive lineman, you know, which would be you know Olu Fashanu, possibly even Joe Alt. You know, because I think they're they're one A and one B essentially. The receivers, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, Romo Dunze, you could land one of them. Um, you know, they're at uh, in that three to five range as well. Um, you know, you're already sitting there at number nine. So do you have to keep that number one overall pick if you're keeping Justin Fields? You know, the answer is is no. I mean, you could obviously you know take that and work with the Hall. And, uh, and bring in some additional picks because there's there are a lot of needs right now for the Bears. And I mentioned offensive line. I mentioned the receiver. And then sitting there at number nine, you could easily target a guy like Liatu Latu to team with Montez Sweat and give you you know a, a pair of pass rushers. So I, I think there's a lot that uh, that the Bears have to have to think about if they ultimately move on from Justin Fields. You know, obviously that could go to Washington. He could go to the Patriots. You know, even uh, you know either the, the 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 Vikings who are sitting there at number 11, possibly the Falcons at number eight. Are they going to demand a first round pick for Justin Fields? I I, I don't th- think that's happening. But you know I, I think there are rumors that maybe there's a second and a third that they could be asking for Justin Fields. Um, you know I think if they do go quarterback at number one overall and I think that's ultimately the pick right now uh, it's going to be Caleb Williams out of USC um, you know the, the, for all the issues that he has within the pocket there are some things that he does that frankly there's nobody in the draft you know um, that, that I could do the things that he does 
you know, the, the mobility, his ability to, to make guys miss, the wizardry, uh, you know, it's there's so much to his game that, that you have to love. And the thing with it is, is can he run the football? Sure, he can run the football, but he's still looking to throw the football down the field whenever possible. I, I think the Bears ultimately do go Caleb Williams, although if I'm Washington, I'm sitting there with a number two overall pick. Consolation prize could be Drake May, I understand that, but I'm still getting on the phone. I want to find out where Chicago is because you know what? Caleb Williams is from that area. So you bring him in with a brand new head coach because it sounds like they're moving on from Ron Rivera. I think that would be pretty enticing. Get Caleb Williams to Washington. Uh, you know, the hometown kid coming home. Uh, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense for Washington as well. Now, look, if Caleb Williams goes number one overall, you know, we, we know, you know, Sam Howell, he, he's battled. But it's one of those things where you're looking for a franchise quarterback. Ultimately, I think Drake May is going to be the guy uh, if Caleb Williams is off the board. Uh, you get the big, strong-arm quarterback reminiscent of, uh, of Justin Herbert, the guy who just makes it look easy. Um, now you're sitting with the Patriots there at number three. You know, I, I honestly believe that Caleb Williams would be a great pick for the Patriots as well. A guy that you're going in the complete opposite direction of what made Bill Belichick successful. But you see the quarterbacks that are winning today. A guy like Patrick Mahomes, a guy like like, like Josh Allen, a guy like Jalen Hurts. You know, you've got these these quarterbacks who are mobile that are able to to make plays with their legs and their their arms. And so would they be able to get a guy like Caleb Williams? If they stand, stand pat, they sit there at number three, they can get the number three quarterback in the draft, and that's Jaden Daniels. This is a guy who's improved so much as a quarterback. Always been an athlete, but has he been that great of a quarterback? He's thrown flashes, but this is the year that he put it all together. And a guy that, look, when you're talking about making plays within the pocket, something that Caleb Williams still struggles with at times, especially throwing the football outside the numbers down the field, Jaden Daniels, Michael Panix Jr. are two of the best at getting the football down the field outside the pocket. Or I'm sorry, outside the numbers from within the pocket. All but five of his touchdown passes were from within the pocket. And this is a guy that also over 1,100 yards on the ground, so he's a threat to run. Whoever's going to be the coach there in, in New England, you know, it sounds like Bill Belichick is likely on his way out. Um, they're going to want to kind of change the atmosphere, change the culture there. And, and I think bringing in a guy like Jaden Daniels, you could absolutely do that, bringing that Heisman Trophy winner, which takes you to number four. If you go quarterback, 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 you know what's sitting there at number four? Marvin Harrison Jr., the number one wide receiver, a guy that a lot of people have talked about as a generational talent. Let's pump the brakes there. Is he the best since Calvin Johnson? Look, Calvin Johnson was a big, big dude and was still able to move so well. Not only was he fast, he was fluid, he could jump, he was physical. Marvin Harrison Jr. could do a lot of those things, but he, he's not Caleb. Uh, um, he's not Calvin Johnson. So let's just get that straight. But what you do have is a guy at 6'3", 205, who has a tremendous, tremendous wingspan, um, tremendous size, and he runs his routes like his dad, Marvin Harrison, the, 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 the great Indianapolis Colt. And for a guy his size to be able to sink those hips and drive in and out of those routes, it is just, it's, it's something to behold. Uh, guys should not be able to create the type of separation that he does at his height. And, and there's just, he is such a reliable target, a guy that is a, is a dynamic weapon. You put him there with Kyler Murray at number four. Now look, Chicago, 
they roll with Justin Fields and they don't trade that number one overall pick, you know it's not going to be Caleb Williams. Marvin Harrison Jr., first wide receiver taken number one overall since Keyshawn Johnson was taken number one overall by the Jets. I mean, that's, you know, that's what, coming up on 30 years since that happened. Imagine having Marvin Harrison Jr. and DJ Moore for Justin Fields to get the football to. I mean, just think about that. Again, you're going to have to protect him, that offensive line up front. You know, there, there are a lot of other question marks there for Chicago, but man, it's a couple of nice weapons there for Justin Fields. Sitting at number five is uh, LA, the Chargers. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, when you watch the Chargers, they, they you know, you've got a, an all pro caliber offensive tackle in Rashawn Slater. The other side, you've got Trey Pipkins. There are a lot of question marks there with him. I think, you know, and we've been talking about this for a number of years, the Chargers need a uh, another tackle. You know, is it a right tackle? Is it a left tackle? At the end of the day, you know, I, I think, you know, Rashawn Slater can play both sides. But, you know, I, you know, I think that's something that they're going to be looking at is, is who between Olu Fashanu and, and Joe Alt has the versatility to play either on the left or right side. I, I think at the end of the day, when you look at it, uh, Olu Fashanu, the athleticism is just off the charts. He has some technique uh, issues that he's got to work with. He's not as dynamic of a, of a run blocker, uh, but the athleticism, it's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, I still go back to his performance against Ohio State. Uh, you know, the last couple of years. This is a guy who's able to do battle against guys who have very different pass rush styles. You know, you have the, the speed and burst of one guy and, uh, you know, the bull rush and power of another. And he's able to sit there and use the feet, matching the hands on one rep and then the very next being able to drop anchor and withstand that bull rush. So to me, I look at Olu Fushanu. He's the number one tackle. For me, if I'm looking at the Chargers, that's probably my pick. Although, I'll throw one other curveball. Gerald Everett, I believe, is a free agent. They don't have any tight ends to really speak of. What's going on with Trey Pipkins? What happens in free agency? Could this be Brock Bowers? Tight end who has just been so dynamic. Uh, you know, you think about, you see what Sam Laporta has done for the Lions. He set the rookie tight end receiving record. That could be in jeopardy next year with Brock Bowers. I think the Chargers at least have to take a look at that, especially if they can get and shore up that, that tackle position in free agency. Something to keep an eye out for. Then you get to the Giants at number six. Now, it looks like Danny Dimes is going to be back and at the helm for another season. And look, you know, the Giants, what direction are they really going to go? Um, I, I think there are a lot of question marks. Um with this team, um, I, I ultimately think at the end of the day, uh, a, a number one wide receiver is something that is desperately needed. You know, you brought in Darren Waller, you look at this group, and you know, could they go tackle? They could. You know, they've been trying to address the offensive line. Um, you know, Andrew Thomas is your left tackle. Could you put Joe Alt at right tackle? It's it's possible. Um, but I'm looking at the fact that they don't have a number one wideout. Jalen Hyatt, Darius Slayton, Wondell Robinson, Paris Campbell, Sterling Shepard. You've got quantity, 
but you don't have that quality number one wideout, the go-to for your quarterback. Whether it's Danny Dimes, Tyrod Taylor, Tommy DeVito, anybody else there at the quarterback spot, you need that number one wideout. And I'm looking at either Romo Dunze or Malik Neighbors. Those are the two guys. There isn't too much separation. Um, I, I look at the two of them. I think Malik Neighbors would be a, a nice fit. You know, this is a guy who, who is dynamic. He can take you know, take the top off of the defense with the speed, yeah, the the explosiveness, you know, with the route running as well. Then you look at Romo Dunze, the big physical receiver, a downfield threat, a guy that's going to win the contested catch. I'm kind of leaning, you know, more so because look, Neighbors is my number two wideout. You know, and it's, and it's it's close. But I think Romo Dunze may fit in a little bit better with this group. They've got a lot of smaller receivers. I look at the size of Romo Dunze. I think that may win out. Seven, Tennessee Titans. Look, they have to go offensive tackle, right? I, I think they, they have to. Um, you know, will Levis getting killed back there. You know, and I don't think Olu Pashano will be there, but Joe Alt should be. Get Joe Alt. If Joe Ald isn't there, I think you trade down, maybe with the team that's looking for a receiver, and then you go after a guy like J.C. Latham, possibly Amarius Mims. But uh, looking at, at the Titans, I think Joe Ald makes too much sense there, which gets us number eight and the Atlanta Falcons. And the Falcons, look, you know, this is a team that is is in need of an identity, you know, really. Um, you know, I, I think what, what you saw with them taking Bijan Robinson, they were looking for a lot of the weapons they took. Um, before that, it was you know Kyle Pitts and then Drake London, now Bijan. But who do they have at the helm at the quarterback spot? Desmond Ritter was benched in favor of uh, Taylor Heineke. Now you could go defensive end or, or a pass rusher. Really, you know, you have Bud Dupree, you've got you know Lorenzo Carter, Arnold Ebicetti. Um So you could. Keep an eye on a guy like Leatu Latu. But I think ultimately they, they look at that direction in round number two. I'm looking at that quarterback spot. And, and Michael Penix Jr., I, I know the age. You know, that's something that everyone's going to talk about. But can we talk about this? Is kind of where we can talk about his performance against Texas to a degree. Like I said, his ability to, to step up. Uh, you know, he avoided. Byron Murphy, who's bearing down on him, you know, multiple times. Not just not just the play that I have in mind, where he sidestepped, you know, to his right, reset his feet, gathered, and threw the football a good 40 yards down the field. But there were other plays where you had that free rusher coming. There's big number 90 with his hands in the air, and he's still able to cut loose with the ball down the sideline to the outside. Here's the thing: the ball placement on those outside balls just absolutely ridiculous away from the defender dropping it right into to Jeremy Bernard I think it was a 36 yard pass with him again bearing down in his face um, just I mean tremendous think about that with a guy like Drake London or a guy like Kyle Pitts you know, those those receivers Van Jefferson's a guy that I think you know needs to continue to get those targets Mac Hollins uh, a taller guy with speed, you get him on the outside. I think that makes things a little bit more interesting as well. I just I look at this and it makes too much sense for me to bring in uh, Michael Penix Jr. I think the, obviously we'll talk about the footwork. We'll talk about you know some of those other things that that makes you know, makes you pause a little bit. Uh, but they have to address that quarterback spot. And if you know that might be a team that looks for Justin Fields. You know, possibly. You know, that that's always uh, a possibility if they do that, and they end up bringing him on. 
then what I'm looking at is the offensive line. Really, the, this is going to be a defensive pick, and I think Leatu Latu ends up being their guy. I really do. I think he's the most polished, best edge rusher coming off the edge. If you're sitting there at number eight, I think Latu ends up being that guy. But I think for right now, Michael Penix Jr. is is that quarterback. You've got to address that quarterback position. Clearly, Desmond Ritter is not ready for that. That's uh, it's a little bit too big for him. So, you know, Arthur Smith, Dave Ragone, that's going to be the big challenge for them going forward. Chicago sitting there at number nine. And, you know, again, Chicago, you know, depending on what, what happens with Justin Fields um, and what happens, you know, they're at number one overall. If they stay at number one and they take Marvin Harrison Jr., then I think ultimately this pick will be used on Leatu Latu. You know, because you do have Braxton Jones at left tackle, you have Darnell Wright at right tackle. You know, the tackles I, I think may actually you might be in decent hands there. I think Braxton Jones, let's not give up on him yet. Darnell Wright is a guy who I think is going to be a stud. Um, if you already have Marvin Harrison Jr. sitting there with DJ Moore pretty deadly combo then you bring in that pass rusher to, to the team with Montez Sweat I think that makes a ton of sense but if you end up going Caleb Williams number one overall then I think you do have to target the receiver because you look at this group Darnell Mooney Tyler Scott Bayless Jones these are guys that ultimately um, smaller guys guys that aren't going to make as much of an impact I think Romo Dunze makes a lot of sense or your team DJ Moore with Malik Neighbors I think that would be a dynamic combo a couple you know I think you know, when you look at Malik Neighbors could he be another DJ Moore type do you want to have the same guy on the roster maybe that's a question mark there um, you know maybe this is where you're able to get Romo Dunze because Malik Neighbors goes to the Giants um, either way I think this is one of two positions being addressed and uh, you know if Leatu Latu ends up coming off the board he may be the lone defensive player in the top 10 of this draft because, you know, as you know, I have yet to mention another defensive player. Then you get to number 10 and the New York Jets. The Jets, obviously, quarterback situation with Aaron Rodgers. Could they go quarterback? You know, not not likely. You know, obviously, you've got Aaron Rodgers on the roster for another uh, another season. Zach Wilson. You're still dealing with that 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 situation, obviously. Um, you know, you look at at the receivers and uh, Alan Lazard, that didn't work out. Uh, you have Garrett Wilson. You know, and, and when you look at the quarterbacks, you know Aaron Rodgers. You know, yeah, you know there's there's Lazard, there's Cop, you know Cop guys that he's comfortable with. But uh, does that make sense? Does that really make sense? Um, could they go receiver here? Could we see Keon Coleman out of Florida State? Um, I, I think that's a possibility, a real possibility. Um, but I also mentioned Brock Bowers. If Brock Bowers doesn't go to the Chargers, Tyler Conklin is your number one tight end. Does it make sense to roll with Tyler Conklin as your number one? He's a number two. He's not a number one. There, there's no way. Um, so I, I look at that, and I think Brock Bowers, you bring him in, you know, we're talking receiver, Keon Coleman in the top 10, not likely. I think he's he's a guy that's going to you know go in the early teens. Um, but I think you team Brock Bowers with Garrett Wilson, that's a nice combo. And uh, you know Aaron Rodgers gets a gets a tight end 
that uh, he can have have some fun with. This is a guy that's going to stretch the defense vertically. Uh, he'll stretch the defense horizontally as well. We saw both of those things at Georgia. Two-time Mackey Award winner. I think that makes a lot of sense there for the Jets as well. So that's my first crack in the top ten. Obviously, we'll have many more iterations. I don't have an official mock draft or anything like that up on the website. Uh, but that was just kind of looking at where we have the top 10 right now. What are my feelings on what you know? how things could play out? So I think it'll be interesting uh, as we go through the pre-draft process. Look, you know, we talked about a ton of offense, and this is an offense-heavy draft. Um, you know, who are going to be the defenders that step up? I still think Leatu Latu, the best pure pass rusher in this year's draft, and probably the best defensive player overall in this draft. This is a guy that can put pressure on you in a number of ways. Uh, the hand usage, he's just so polished at, uh, of an edge rusher. You know, he can beat you, like I said, as a bull rush if he needs to, but it's all about speed, leverage, the hands. He, he's, he's a total package, and you know, if you're able to get him outside of the top 10, then man you know you you're doing something right you're 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 living a charmed life at that point um so you know that that's something that you know i, I think a lot too and then dallas turner will be a, a guy that's going to come off the board rather quickly after that um, but as i talk about edge rushers i, I look at braylon trice and he's going to be a guy that i think is going to play a pivotal role against michigan why well you watched him against quinn ewers and this was a guy that you know he went against kelvin banks the left tackle beat him went against christian jones and beat him and, and look you know we're gonna be talking about Bra uh, braylon trice a lot he's one of my favorite players in this draft cycle um you know he uses those those long arms extends in able to to set the edge against the run very well but this is a guy that that loves to to work to the outside crossover back to the inside beat christian jones on one of those moves uh real quick dip and rip just over 30 seconds left beat banks flushed Ewers from the pocket, chased him all the way to the sideline. He doesn't have the bend that some of these other guys have. So when you look at him, that arc, it's, it's, it's a lot longer than a lot of these other guys. But here's the thing. His motor doesn't quit. There are a ton of pressures. So yes, he doesn't always get to the quarterback, but the pressures a lot of times will force quarterbacks to make poor throws. And that's something that I keep going back to you know, with, with Braylon Trice. We saw what happened with J.J. McCarthy against Alabama. Pressured, rolling out, and I don't know how, I guess, you know, because he was out of bounds but didn't see the defender you know, along the sideline. Um, but you know, that's something that, you know, J.J. McCarthy, when he was pressured, when he was under pressure, you know, that's where you know, he's susceptible to make those, those poor decisions. And Braylon Trice is going to be a guy that I think is going to be looking to put pressure on him a lot. Um, you know, here's a team in Washington that struggled, um, you know, I, I get, you know, to defend the run. You know, and we saw C.J. Baxter, we saw Jaden Blue, um, all you know, uh, all these guys uh, running the football with with regularity against the defense. And that's something that I think they're going to have to shore up. Um, you know, look, you know, Edifon uh, Olafosho. He's an athletic linebacker. You know, had a couple of tackles for loss in the game. You know, I think he's going to be a guy that you're going to have to have coming downhill uh, early and often. There was a nice uh, screenplay to Jatavian Sanders, and you saw Olafosho. Come, you know, he went left to right, lined up on on the left side, flowed all the way to the right. 
went downhill and was able to drop uh, Sanders for a two-yard loss. You're going to have to continue to do that. Uh, you know, Alfonso Tupatala, you know, he's had some big games in, uh, in, uh, in, big, in big games is where he's played some of his best football. And so I, I'm looking at Tupatala, who's going to have to big, have a big game. Look, Zion uh, Tupuola Fatuli, one tackle in the game, did not show up. He's going to have to have a much better game. And look, you know, with Tupuola Fatui, he's a guy. He's a nice player. He's a nice player. He's a guy that you know can get after the quarterback. This is a guy who I believe had seven sacks his his freshman year, and then you know injury bug just continuing to hit him, and that's something that obviously is a huge concern. When you when you watch his his play, um, you know as, as, you know in terms of uh, of the NFL the next level, but he's a guy that can be explosive. He's got to make plays in the backfield. I'm all for watching Jabbar Muhammad, their corner, go against Roman Wilson. Roman Wilson's a guy that's just outside the top ten in terms of of the receivers. A guy that is dynamic, can make plays down the field. Excellent route runner. A guy that look you know, he came across the field. To help out JJ McCarthy made a nice nice catch and run. Um, I look at Jabbar Muhammad and what Muhammad was able to do against both Adonai Mitchell and Xavier Worthy. This was a guy that time and time again uh, you know rose to the challenge. Three pass breakups in the game. Um, gosh, there was a, a, a just a beautiful play. Um, it was kind of. What was it? He, he was driven off the ball by Xavier Worthy. He plants, drives on the curl route, gets his hand in, knocks the ball free. Um, footwork, mirroring the, the the footwork of of Xavier Worthy, starts with a back pedal, opens the hips to the outside. Worthy runs a stutter and go, doesn't bite on the stutter at all. I mean, just mirroring the the movements. Um, exceptional work. Then able to get over the top of the route, got his head around, cut off the route. You know, Muhammad doesn't have the best, you know, the biggest size. He's 5'10", 183, but he played it a hell of a lot bigger than his size. He's a guy that I continue to look at and say, he's a guy that could challenge and battle and, and take away the likes of Roman Wilson, which then means you're looking at Cornelius Jackson, or I'm sorry, Cornelius Johnson against Elijah Jackson. And I, I think, you know, I, I'm, Cornelius Johnson is, is a solid receiver. You know, I, I, he's not a, a game changer by any means, but I like that matchup for him against Elijah Jackson. But then I think really the big key is going to be Colston Loveland, A.J. Barner, the tight ends. Loveland only two catches for 13 yards against Bama. I'm looking at this team, and I don't see a guy that's going to really be able to hang with. You know, maybe it's Tupatala. Maybe it's Olafosho. Um, you know, maybe they're going to have to play a lot of zone. Um and, and take away some of those those throwing lanes, but Colson Loveland's a guy that we're going to be talking about in next year's draft cycle. Um, a dynamic pass catcher, a guy that's going to be you know a, a weapon up the seam, a guy that uh, is a decent route runner as well. Uh, Colson Loveland's going to present a lot of problems. And Washington, I think they're going to try to load the box. And we saw what they did against Oregon with their safeties, uh, whether it was Dominic Campton, Asa Turner, uh, Cameron Fabikulainen. They were all coming up and wrapping up on those short throws, uh, really negating any of that pass, you know, those short, that short passing game that Bo Nix and Will Stein love to, to run, they were taking that away. 
you know, that was those were tackles that, you know, you make you miss, and then they were going to, to generate a big play after that. And those safeties were able to take take that away. And so when I look at that group, I, I think they're going to get very aggressive against the run, which is going to open up the pass. I think you got Muhammad against Roman Wilson. And I think ultimately we're going to see just what type of a player we have in Cornelius Johnson. Now look, Cornelius Johnson, when you look at the measurements, he, he's 6'3", um, he's over 200 pounds, um, I, I think he's about 2'11", and, and when you look at him, he's a guy that is, is your classic possession receiver. He's not a guy that's going to be a game breaker. You know, when you think of, of the bigger receivers there at Michigan, obviously Nico Collins is having himself a year with, with the Houston Texans. He was taken in the third round, number 89 overall, uh, you know, 6'4", 215. Um, you know, that last year at Michigan, over 19, just under 20 yards per reception, right? And finished with 17.8 yards per reception in his career. So a guy that we knew was going to stretch the field. You know, you look at, at, at Cornelius Johnson, he's under that. He's at about 14.9 um, in his five years there at Michigan. But look, again, he's a veteran. He's played in a lot of these big games. He's also going to be going up against one of the bigger corners that Washington has in Elijah Jackson, who's 6'1", 191 pounds, a guy that's going to you know, look to attack the football. Um, and, and so he's a guy that I think if there is somebody on that group, um, that starting group that you could really take advantage of and exploit in the passing game, it'll probably be Elijah Jackson. That was who they were looking to go to, you know, the, uh, with Texas and Adonai Mitchell and Xavier Worthy. And, uh, you know, I, I think they have more success against Elijah Jackson than they did uh, Jamar Muhammad. Um, you know, Adonai Mitchell, for everything that this guy is, you know, he's an explosive playmaker, he's 6'4", 196 pounds, um, he doesn't dominate the game as much as you would expect him to, right? Um, you know, he had this this excellent um, excellent touchdown in the game, able to go up and, and high point the football, and just showed off some really nice athleticism. But he was not a guy that took over the game by any means, and I think you know really pedestrian game overall for him, and really Xavier Worthy as well. I thought you know Jabbar Muhammad was able to take him away. So when I look at this group, it's not too much different. You know, Adonai Mitchell actually has more explosiveness than Cornelius Johnson. So I think the difference is going to be that tight end spot. Jatavian Sanders, six receptions for 75 yards. He was the guy that was really you know running a lot of those underneath routes. And a guy that uh, ultimately was able to break a couple of big runs off. And I keep going back to those tight ends yet again. You know, this is a guy that just was able to, to continue to get open. And, and so Loveland and, and Barner. Look, A.J. Barner is a guy that's going to get himself drafted. He's a better blocker than he is a receiver. But uh, he's got some pretty good hands at the receiver position as well. So that's going to be critical for, for Washington in the passing attack. I've been hype, hype, you know, harping on that quite a bit. You, know, you look at the, the, the running backs, they were also uh, weapons in the passing game. You know, we saw them leak out, um, especially when the quarterback had to move. So if you move J.J. McCarthy off his spot, you know, Blake Corum, one of his touchdowns in, in the game against Bama was on a reception. Um, so, you know, you've got guys who can catch the football out of the backfield. You know, Donovan Edwards is another guy who's a solid pass catcher in addition to being a, a, you know, a solid runner. Um, so that's something that they're going to have to watch out for. But really, Michigan, if they struggle with, with Braylon Trice, they struggle with some of that pressure. Uh, because, look, they're going to load the box to, to try to stop the run. You're going to try to throw over the top of that. But look, against Penn State, they had to pivot because they couldn't block Chop Robinson. 
Braylon Trice. If he's continuing to pressure J.J. McCarthy, bring him off his spot and force him to start to try to make some bad decisions down the field, then they're going to flip the script and they're going to look to run the football. And obviously, you know, with Darius Henderson, the left tackle, keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on that matchup you know, with him and Braylon Trice all night. Um, I think Trice is also going to move over to the right side. I think he'll have more success against Trent A. Jones. Um, you know, but this, again, this is a line that was a, a finalist for the Joe Moore Award. They won two years prior to that. Um, you know, tra- Trevor Keegan is, is a, a key piece there at left guard. The center, Drake Nugent. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think is going to get himself drafted as well. 6'1", 305. And then Carson Barnhart, much better at the guard spot. I thought that he was the guy that was really getting exploited there against Chop Robinson. I think Trent A. Jones has better foot speed. Um, so I, I think when you're talking about the pass rushers and the edge rushers, you're going to have to get a bigger game out of Zion uh, uh, Tupuola Fatui putting pressure on the quarterback. But really, it's going to be all about establishing that line of scrimmage and you know that running game. Because look, you know CJ CJ Baxter, nine carries, 64 yards. Jane Blue, nine carries, 59 yards, and a touchdown. Both of those guys scored a touchdown in the game. Look, Quinn Ewers also pulled the football. You know what you had was guys turning their backs. Middle opened up, eight carries for 54 yards as well. And so when you look at, at Michigan and running the football, J.J. McCarthy has better speed than Quinn Ewers by, by a mile. J.J. McCarthy also made a lot of really good decisions against Alabama. 17 to 27, 221 yards, three touchdowns. Um, you know, you saw his ability when he got out, out of the pocket, being able to, to throw on the move and deliver a strike under pressure, being able to manipulate the pocket. You saw the athleticism. You know, this head-to-head with McCarthy and Penix Jr., I think is going to go a long way towards what you're looking at in the draft as well. You know, is Penix Jr. truly a top 10 guy? Is he even a first-rounder? I think the injuries, obviously, are going to be playing a lot with that. But J.J. McCarthy, he's one of those guys. Michigan, the body of work isn't really there, right? Um, because he isn't asked to do a whole lot. Why? You've got the running game. you got Blake Corum, 19 carries, 83 yards, and a score. You know, this is a guy, look, he's a bowling ball. You know, um, physical between the tackles, the contact balance, the guy that just has a nose for the end zone. Um, he's got the speed on the outside, but a guy that just he trusts blockers, runs with that low pad level, and please don't try to tackle him high if you're Washington because he's just going to run right through that. Uh, Alabama tried to grab him high. He was able to just spin right through. I think it was Jihad Campbell's tackle, um, you know, en route to the end zone. Um, so I, I think Michigan's going to want to slow things down, keep the possessions to a minimum. You know, Bama, look, you know, when, when Jalen Milrow was out there, they limited his effectiveness, 16 to 23 for just 116 yards. Yes, you know, he, he was effective on the ground, but they were able to, you know, make him uncomfortable and pressure him. But, you know, a lot of it was about, you know, ball security, time of possession, you know, being able to move the football. And so I, I think when you look at Michigan, that's essentially what they're going to want to do with Washington. Washington's going to be loading the box. You're going to maybe try to throw it over the top, but I think Michigan is going to want to keep Michael Penix Jr. in that offense off the field as much as possible. You know, that said, when you look at Michigan, that defense, you know, Braden McGregor had two sacks. Um, Jaden Harrell, or Jalen Harrell, the, the other defensive end, um, you know, a couple of, couple of tackles, a tackle for loss. Chris Jenkins had a sack. Michael Barrett, um, flies around, makes plays. Junior Colson 
10 tackles on the day. Um, very athletic inside linebacker. So you've got a, a front, you know, if you throw Mikey Sainer still, there's your front seven. Sainer still is a guy that I think could be a day two pick. Um, you know, he's a nickel. You know, he's a guy that's going to play around the line of scrimmage. He's going to make play, you know, shoot in gaps and make plays um, around that line of scrimmage behind the line against the run. He's also a very effective as a cover cover guy as a corner. He can play safety if you wanted him to. He plays the position like a, a receiver in a lot of ways uh, because he was a former receiver. He came to Michigan as a receiver, moved to the defensive side of the football, and I think what you're looking at with Mikey Saver still is a guy that, you know, his best days are in front of him. Um, so you look at him, you know, his ability to be as active as he is, you know, that, that front seven is going to challenge this offensive line. Um, now, I, I thought with Texas, you know, one of the things, um, you know, you had, you know, they, they didn't really get to Michael Penix Jr. a ton in the passing game. Um, you know, Devondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, when they did, you know, they ran twists, Byron Murphy came free. Um, you know, you didn't, you know, Baron Sorrell was able to get a bull rush on Troy Fatanu, drove him back into the quarterback. You know, that's really the one time he was able to get his hands on him. Michael Penix Jr. was able to escape, roll out. Here's the thing with Michael Penix Jr. You want to get him off his spot. If he's able to get time in the pocket, which is he's been able to do, and I've talked about that in past podcasts, about that quarterback position, especially, uh, you know, as we were talking about the, the Heisman and what's going on there. Um, you know, the Heisman preview, you know, the Joe Moore Award winning offensive line in front of him, he, was, he wasn't moved off his spot a whole lot. And when he was, if he had to break the pocket, you saw some inconsistency. I saw him roll out and on the move to his left, he's got his tight end, Jack Westover, you know, a, a, an intermediate throw, throws the ball behind him. His receivers on some of the intermediate throws bailed him out. The deep ball, when it's that one read, he cuts loose with it. You know, with eye discipline, I saw him holding safeties and then cutting loose. There was a beautiful post corner that Jalen Polk ran. And I mean, at about 15 yards, he runs the post, hits about 20, puts his foot in the ground and cuts it back to the outside as the corner was starting to gain some ground. Separation, and then Michael Penix even throws the ball um, you know, throws the ball, just drops it right in the bucket, right? Um, time and time again, that's what he was able to do. And I, I just, I look at this line and I look at that, that front, and that's really going to be the matchup for me. If Washington can cut loose with the football, if they can deliver the ball down the field with regularity, then I think Michigan could be in trouble because what Michigan's going to want to do is they're going to want to play ball control. And if Washington can get one or two stops, and their offense is able to to light things up and and score you know a lot of big plays, then Michigan could be in trouble. The biggest key though is Dylan Johnson. We know that he's battled a foot injury all season. You know he left the game late um, with a with an injury you know to his foot. Not really sure where he's at there. Tybo Rogers has has filled in pretty well. Will Nixon. Um, has also seen time, as has Richard Newton, but that's going to be huge. Um, you know, Tybo Rogers could be the future of the position there at Washington, um, but having a guy like Dylan Johnson, his experience, the physicality, you know, a, a guy that, uh, yeah, man, he follows his blockers so well, he's so patient, and then, you know, the contact balance. He, he's physical 
at the point of attack. He's a guy that's going to look to try to run you over, um, and a guy that I think has, has earned a spot on an NFL roster via the draft. Um, you know, I, I think that you know he's going to get that shot at Mississippi State. I thought maybe he'd be an undrafted free agent. I really did, but I, I think he's earned his spot as a as a day three running back. Um, here's here's going to be the challenge. Michigan, Will Johnson, Josh Wallace, Rod Moore, Makari Page, Mikey Sabre still. Can that second? Oh, Quentin, uh, Quentin Johnson. Can't forget him. Quentin Johnson, excuse me. Can you slow down the likes of Romo Dunze, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, Jeremy Bernard, you know, and then even the tight end, Jack Westover. He had six catches for 59 yards. He was a key component there for Michael Penix Jr. If Michael Penix Jr. is able to sit in that pocket, you know, and, and even then when you know he had Byron Murphy bearing down on him, he was able to cut loose with the ball and put the ball where only his guy could, could haul it in. And the thing with it is, is you've got a big physical receiver like Romo Dunze. Six catches, 125 yards against Texas. Uh, whether it was Malik Muhammad, Terrence Brooks, uh, you know, Jade Barron, uh, you know, uh, it, it didn't matter. You know, Derek Williams, whoever it was, Ryan Watts, it didn't matter who they were throwing out there. These guys were, were making those plays. You know, Romo Dunze, you know, the physicality. You know, this is a guy that tracks the football so well. He was running a post, and Michael Penix Jr. ends up throwing the ball. At, you know, it looked like the corner was actually closing. And, and when Penix threw the ball, it ultimately leads him down the field. And had he continued that route as, as he was running it, you know, that, that ball ultimately took him up the seam, up the hash. And he was able to not only track it, adjust that route, stack that corner, be able to catch the football right over that shoulder, uh, contested catches. I, I mentioned Jalen Polk, you know, that, that, uh, that post corner that was just so pretty. Five catches, 122 yards, and a score. Uh, Jalen Polk come back for another year. You know, I don't think he's made a decision yet. I think it'll probably you know, take some time. You know, the, the official end date is, is the 15th to officially declare. I think the soft date is, is the 8th, but the official date is the 15th. Uh, Jalen Polk, if I'm him, I come back for another year. You know, be one of the top receivers in next year's draft. Um, you know, this is a loaded receiver draft. You know, and so that, that's going to be a big question mark. Uh, Jalen McMillan, five catches, 58 yards, and a score. This is a guy that is finally back. You know, this is your slot receiver extraordinaire, right? I think you're going to see a lot of Jalen McMillan against Mikey Sainer still. Um, because Sainer still is going to be lining up, you know, as that nickel. He'll probably be covering him there in the slot. You know, I think he'll be able to do a lot of things from the slot, whether it's blitzing off the edge, playing the run, what have you. Um, but he's just so smooth as a receiver. You know, ran this corner route, drives the corner, back plants, cuts to the corner, separates underneath the I, I don't even remember which which corner it was but he was playing over the top and off coverage and picks up 45 yards before finally being forced out at the four yard line um, just such a smooth receiver excellent hands um, a, a guy that is going to be so vital to this passing attack. And I look at, again, Sainra still is going to be going up against him. I think Will Johnson, a guy who could end up being one of the top corners in next year's draft. I think he will be. You put him against Romo Dunze. 
I still think Romo Dunze is the guy. I mean, if he ends up dominating this performance, then you know, he's a guy that's going to be knocking on the door with you know, Malik Neighbors at that number two uh, wideout. And then Jeremy Bernard is, is a receiver. Look, you know, that, that throw you know, 36 yards down the sideline, being able to adjust to the football away from the defender, uh, you know, it was, it was picture perfect. That line, Troy Fatanu. You know, I mentioned he got pushed back. When he gets his hands on you, you know, he, he lacks overall length. That's where he got into trouble there against Baron Sorrell. I think he's a Pro Bowl caliber guard. I really do. You know, watch the footwork though. When he gets his hands on you early, he moves really well. You know, there was a nice trap that he had on, uh, you know, trap technique there on on uh, Ethan Burke, you know, and being able that jump set, getting out there, meeting him, and able to take him down. Uh, you know, Fatanu generates a lot of movement in the running game as well. Um, there was uh, a play in that game where where he was able to block down. I don't even remember who it was at the defensive end, but fourth and one drove him down the line. Excellent leverage, quick choppy feet, caved in that left side, allowed Dylan Johnson to get down the field for a pickup of four yards. Again, it was on a fourth and one. It was a huge play. Uh, Nate Kalepo, Jordan Brailsford, Julius Bulo. Um, the interior of the line, I think, is where you could have, you could be exploited. That's really where Mason Graham is going to go to work. I thought he was a guy that was extremely effective against Bama, going up against you know Trevor Booker, Seth Mc, uh, McLaughlin, and, and Jaden Roberts. I think Jordan Brailsford is probably one of the better centers that you're going to find that nobody's talking about. Um, much better at snapping the football than, than Seth McLaughlin, I'll tell you that. Um, I, I don't think they're going to have as much success, though, coming off the edge as they did against Caden Proctor and, and J.C. Latham. The speed, you know, that's really where those guys struggle. J.C. Latham, if he gets his hands on you, it's all over. I look at, at Troy Fatanu. The lack of length is what concerns me. You get a guy like Braden McGregor who has those long arms being able to drive him into the backfield. I look at Chris Jenkins. I think if they end up deciding to go with an odd man front, possibly move Jenkins out uh, to a defensive end spot as well. In, in, even in a 43, um, you put him against Roy Fatanu. I think you know, Fatanu could struggle um, with that. But I, you know, uh, Roger Rosengarten is a guy that I think everybody's looking at. Day three tackle, mid to late day three. You put him against Jalen Harrell. You put him against Braden McGregor. You put him against Josiah Stewart. Josiah Stewart's the guy nobody's talking about. He had seven tackles, two tackles for loss, and a sack against Bama. Watch out for Josiah Stewart. I think he's going to be that speed that comes in. It's something to keep an eye out for, for sure. Um, you know, Kenneth Grant didn't really get to, to do a whole lot there against Bama, but in the Big Ten, he was a game wrecker in the middle of the field, really imposing his will, that physicality. And, you know, so that's something that I think Washington is going to have to watch out for as well. If they can't run the football and they're one-dimensional, you know, they've had Dylan Johnson battling the foot injury, but he's still been very effective throughout the season. They've been able to run the football enough to set up the pass. And frankly, there have been times where they've just said, you know what, we're just going to continue to load up. Our receivers are better than your secondary. And if our offensive line can give us time, we're going to beat you. And so, you know, that's going to be key, though, is, is can they generate enough of, the, of a running game to, to move the football? Because what's going to end up happening is you're going to get into the red zone, and that's where, you know, Grady Gross had to kick three field goals there against Texas, which allowed Quinn Ewers and company to get back into the game. 
And so that's something that I look at with Washington, especially with that defense. Um, you know, look, you know, you've got Trice, you got Tupu, uh, Tupu, uh, Tupatola Fatui putting pressure on the quarterback. You got Carson Bruner, who's a nice inside linebacker who can put pressure on the quarterback. Um, but you've got some big physical guys, you know, uh, between Ale, uh, you know, uh, Tuatele, uh, Tuli, uh, Tuli Nasanoa there in the middle of the field. He's a guy that's difficult to move off off his spot. Um, so he allows, you know, uh, Olafosho and, and Tupatala to, to roam behind him. So, you know, that's going to be the thing for, for Washington. Um, defensively is being able to, to anchor. And I think offensively, kind of the same thing. Um, you know, I kind of got sidetracked there a, a little bit. But you know, when I, you look at Kalepo, Brailsford, and Bulow against a guy like Kenneth Grant, against a guy like Mason Graham, being able to anchor, being able to, uh, you know, to control that point. If ultimately Michael Penix Jr., uh, you know, we know that he can sidestep. He trusts his receivers down the field. Uh, I still think Washington is going to put up a lot of points. You know, Michigan, they, you know, it's one of those things when you watch Michigan, you never feel like the game is really in doubt. Even though, you know, against Ohio State, Ohio State's driving. Um, Michigan pulls it out. They go up against Bama, you know, a similar thing. You just had the, the confidence there. But here's the here's the deal. Kyle McCord, Jalen Milrow are not Michael Penix Jr. This is the best quarterback that they face. This is the best offensive line that Michigan has faced. So that defense, for as well as they played there against Alabama, the defense is going to be challenged. I think Michigan's best bet is to control the game, control the, the the line of scrimmage, control that time of possession, run the football, wear down the front of Washington. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that they're going to set up play action. They probably will because they'll be loading the box. They're going to look to try to, to throw the football down the field. I just I, I look at what Washington's secondary was able to do to Mitchell and Worthy. I think tight end is going to be key, as I mentioned previously. I think that's going to be the, the key matchup there. And at the end of the day, if they do decide to throw the football, this is where we'll get to see J.J. McCarthy step up and be the guy. You know, because we know what Blake Corum can do. We still don't know exactly what J.J. McCarthy can do in these big games. We've seen flashes. We know that it's there. He just hasn't gotten to showcase that enough. If Washington is able to score each time they get the football, as they've been known to do, then the pressure will be on this team, this Michigan Wolverine team, to grind things out. And if Washington can get a couple of stops, that's like I said, if Price can get after the quarterback, make it third and long, make their, make their lives difficult. If Olafosho and, and Hampton and Turner and Fabiculainen can play that aggressive style against that they did against Oregon, coming up and, and making plays around the line of scrimmage. If Muhammad can take away Roman Wilson like they did with Adonai, with Xavier Worthy, Elijah Jackson playing Adonai Mitchell very well, Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson. You know, I keep beating the dead horse, but I think those are going to be some of the key matchups. You know, I, I look at the fronts, you know, and I'm much more worried about Washington's front than 
Michigan's. But here's the thing. All Michigan, all Washington has to do is make a couple of stops. That's what they were able to do against Oregon. That's what they've been able to do against Texas. They find a way to win games. Michael Penix Jr. was able to outduel Caleb Williams. What you got to make sure is he take the football out of his hands. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. You know, or Michigan wants it to be a low-scoring game. I think Washington ends up putting up, you know, four or five touchdowns. It's. I'm trying to pick a winner here. I'm still trying to talk myself out of rolling with Washington. They're a Pac-12 school. I'm a I'm a USC guy through and through. Uh, Trojan alum. So, you know, in the last year that you know, the Pac-12 is in existence, you know, I think back to you know, Chris Winky and Josh Heifel. Josh Heifel, I think a lot of people thought should have won the Heisman. It went to Chris Winky. But Josh Heifel ended up winning the national championship. I look at Michael Penix Jr. and Jaden Daniels. A lot of people thought that Michael Penix Jr. should have won the Heisman. It went to Jaden Daniels. Michael Penix Jr., could very well end up winning the national title. I've been rolling with Washington all year. I got to do it again. I think Washington upsets Michigan. They've they've loved the the upset card, and I know you know who's got it better than Michigan. Nobody went with Jim Harbaugh, but I think this is one of those things to where I don't think they're going to be able to stop Michael Penix Jr. I think he'll end up throwing for three, four hundred yards yet again. That's what it's going to take to beat him. I think Washington's defense will come up with a couple of key plays to ultimately turn this game around and, uh, you know, the Huskies end up winning it. Michigan, you know, if I'm them, I want the football first. I want to be able to control the clock, really set the tempo for the beginning of the game. Washington, you know, look, you want to be able to have the football at the end of the first half, score, go into halftime, get the football to start the second half and score again. Lightning, you know, can strike very quickly with that offense. I think that's something that they're going to look to do. Um, if that offensive line can hold up to the physicality of, of that defensive line, I think they can exploit the the back end of that defense just with all the talent at the receiver position. But like I said, tight ends, passing game. Colson Loveland, Jack Westover, don't be surprised if those are the guys that we're talking about as making those key critical plays for their teams when it's all said and done. So that's where we're at. That's ultimately what I see happening in the college football playoff. Kind of took a look a little bit at, at the Rose Bowl, at the Sugar Bowl. You know, I thought Byron Murphy on Texas, he solidified his status as an early second-round guy. I think, you know, Devondre Sweat, this was a guy that was able to, you know, stack, shed, go down the line, drop the running back for no gain. I, I think that's something that you know, you're going to be seeing, you know, Kenneth Grant. I think you're going to see a lot more out of Kenneth Grant with that. You know, Jalen Ford, 10 tackles, a guy that flies around, you know, but he was a guy that was beaten. Um, I want to say it was Jack Westover, was able to come across the field and then down the sideline on a wheel and was open. That was one of the few pit, uh, throws that Michael Penix missed. Ford, the you know the, just that lack of speed. I think Michael Barrett's able to keep up with him. I think that's a throw that he doesn't end up making because Michael Barrett, 
better uh, in coverage than Jalen Ford. I think Jalen Ford is a, is a guy that you know, he's instinctive, but I think there are some athletic limitations. We saw that in that game. Christian Jones, I, I think he's going to be a solid right tackle, and we saw some physicality to him in that game. Um, ultimately, um, you know, there there were times where the you know, he overset. Braylon Trice beat him like a drum and uh, was into the backfield so quickly. The crossover and then a quick arm over and Quinn Ewers was down before he even knew what happened. Uh, for Bama, um, Jason McClellan, look, you know, 87 yards and a couple of touchdowns. He's a, a model of consistency there. You know, he, he's not a guy who's going to do anything special, but he's the guy that knows how to carry the rock. Uh, J.C. Latham, you're right, tackle, um, powerful. I think we, we saw that yet again there against Michigan. Um, just, you know, a guy that moves so well, um, but a guy that at times the feet don't always match the hands, and that's something that I think he's going to have to watch out for at the next level. Dallas Turner was able to get a sack, you know, a guy that, that shows some speed coming off the edge. Um, I think, you know, Terrion Arnold and Kool-Aid McKinstry, both of these guys, um, they, they did a solid job against Michigan's receivers. These are two guys, two of the top three corners in my opinion. I've got Cooper DeGene as the number one safety. I've got Nate Wiggins there with McKinstry and Terrion Arnold. Uh, need to study some more tape of, of the three of them to see exactly where you know the final ranking lands. Right now I've got Wiggins one, McKinstry two, Arnold three. Arnold just needs to stop being grabby and just trust his technique. If he's able to do that, then I think this is a guy that could be one of the, the sleepers in this draft. I say a sleeper. You know, he, he's a guy that's gonna you know, could be drafted in round one. He's a top top three or four corner in this draft. Um, but he's a guy that I think you know when you talk about guys at the cornerback position, um, you know the first guys that you think of are gonna be guys like Wiggins. You're gonna think of guys like McKinstry. You're gonna think of you know uh, Kamari Lassiter. But I think Terrion Arnold's a guy that could end up being the, be you know, the best of that group. The other guy to, to just throw out there is Toledo's Quinion, Mar uh, Quinion Mitchell. To me, ball skills, athleticism, I think Quinion Mitchell's going to end up being a star at the next level. But we've got plenty of time to talk about all of that. Uh, you know, Like I said, we're going to have a bowl recap as well. I just wanted to make sure that I got a po podcast together before the national championship. We can take a look at the Rose Bowl take a look at the Sugar Bowl preview things. We got to do a little bit of a top 10 mock draft based on what's initially been released, just kind of off the top of my head, what I thought might play out. Obviously, we still have many, many months to go. I think the top 10 can very well look very different. We could see a lot of trades. Um, you know, there are teams that are looking for quarterbacks. You know, we're going to see a lot of movement there. Um, you know, Minnesota is going to be on the market for a quarterback. Do they go after Justin Fields? You know, that's going to be a huge question mark. You know, and, and ultimately, where do J.J. McCarthy and Michael Penix Jr. stack up? I think the college football championship is going to answer some of those questions. Can J.J. McCarthy rise to the occasion? And can Michael Penix Jr. do enough moving around that pocket? Because you know that McGregor and Jenkins and Graham and Colson and Barrett and Harrell and Sandra still, they're going to find ways to get after the quarterback. What can Michael Penix do to show that he can manipulate that pocket 
to make those plays, not only down the field, but a lot of those intermediate routes, because he may not have enough time to cut loose with that football down the field. Really, he'll have the time to throw it, but can his receivers get down the field? You know, there was one play where I think he had to hold on to the ball for four seconds. I don't know that he'll have that time against Michigan's front. I think it'll be a lot of fun. We'll come back. We'll talk about the the championship. We'll talk about the bowls here in the next few days. Uh, So until next time, everyone, for ReadyForTheDraft.com, this has been the Ready For The Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Enjoy the national championship. Come back. We'll talk all about it. Until next time, I am out of here.